Hey mama, do you find yourself wishing you knew you were on the right path with your business or wanting to know how to do it all as a work at home mom and entrepreneur? If you struggle with imposter syndrome, mom guilt, or fear of failure, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Alexia, a Christian mindset coach, passionate about teaching moms how to renew their minds to find success both in business and motherhood. You can overcome the negative thoughts holding you back from fully stepping into your calling. I know what it's like to worry your business will never work, to feel mom guilt every time you work on your business, to realize your mindset is hindering you, but not knowing how to change it in a Christ-centered way. I created the Mom with a Calling podcast to teach you how to use the powerful combination of God's Word and proven mindset strategies to help you break free from negative, paralyzing thoughts and gain clarity and confidence to go where God is leading you. As you step out of the old way of thinking and into God's way, you'll find more peace, joy, and purpose. Pop in those earbuds and get ready to let God work in you so he can work through you. Hey there, thanks for joining me for another episode. Today I'm bringing you another two-part series of an interview that I did with a friend of mine, actually, from church. Um, But she wrote a book, and as I was talking to her about her book, I was like, this book is something that we all need to experience. It's like a, it's a Bible study slash book. Um, and so it's about, it's called the course of this world. And we'll talk about it in the interview, but really it's about, um, one of the things she says on the back of the book is that you may have heard that God had a plan for you, but did you ever know that the enemy has a plan for you too? And that's pretty, um, you know, kind of alarming for a lot of us. And it's like, but he does, the enemy is out to keep us from hearing God and from doing the things he wants what doing the things that God wants us to do to know that we're loved and cherished and to believe in the power that God has given us. So um, I hope that you enjoy this interview with Leslie. And um, like I said, it's two parts. So this is the part one. And then um, part two will be I'm just going to upload it right behind it. So it'll be there for you to listen to. And I also wanted to let you know, I don't think I've actually shared this, but we I actually have a YouTube channel as well, where I put these interviews on YouTube, if you would rather watch it instead. So I'll put that link in the description below as well. All right, let's get into the interview with Leslie Kaiser. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Mama with a Calling podcast. Today, I have a friend of mine on the show, Leslie Kaiser. And we are going to be talking about her recent book, um, The Course of This World. I'll show a picture of it here if you're watching on YouTube. Um, And this is like a Bible study slash book diving into really like spiritual warfare and talking about how Satan tries to keep us distracted and away from God's plan for our life, which as you guys know, here on the podcast, we talk a lot about mindset. And a lot of this is going to play into that because... There are thoughts that we don't even recognize are coming from the enemy. And when you guys hear how, um, you know, this is actually, it can be affecting how you're like pursuing your calling and, and walking that out. I think it'll be really, really important. So thank you, Leslie, for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So first off, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and how you came to write this book. Sure. Um, I am married. I have a husband named Brandon. Um, We don't have any kids, but we love dogs. Uh, We don't have any at the moment, but I am house sitting or uh, dog sitting for a friend right now. It's been a little crazy. Um, We haven't had dogs for a year, so uh, we've kind of gotten set set in our ways again about not having a dog. So having one has been a little nuts. But but anyway, um, I grew up in a small church 
um, where everybody was related. Uh, my mom still goes there, actually. We've been uh, at the church right now for probably two years, but uh, I grew up there forever. Um, heard a lot about the stories of the Bible, but not really of the, the God who wrote it. So I was saved when I was 10. I was out of hell into heaven, and that's pretty much all I knew. Um, I wasn't living like Christ at all. didn't know what that meant. Uh, it didn't really even dawn on me that I was supposed to be reading my Bible every day, which sounds like, duh, but uh, it wasn't for me then. So I made a bunch of bad decisions, went off on and did my own thing for a really long time. Um, and then fast forward a bunch of years when after my husband and I got married, um, we both were saved, but weren't really, we went to church when we had time, which if you're anything like we were, was very rare. <laughs> uh, once a month, maybe. Um, but we decided that um, we were going to make a commitment to be at church more regularly, which we thought was what God wanted. So we did. And then this dude moved in down the street and he started teaching something that we hadn't heard before. Um, and uh, he started teaching us what God really wants. And he started drawing us near to the God who wrote the Bible and and drawing us into his love letter. And it flipped our lives upside down. We haven't been the same since. Um, and that's really what drew me to write the book um, because my life changed so much and I just felt like I needed to get it out so that other people could be changed the way I was. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's <laughs> a lot of people that I talk to, that's their story. I know that's kind of even my story um, about not really understanding how to read the Bible in a way to connect with God. And I had somebody from, um, from our church that I was talking to and I said something about like trying to read the Bible and not really knowing how. And she said, ask this question, what does it say about God and his character? And I was like, huh? <laughs> like I'd never, you know, thought about that. And it really, I feel like just opened up this whole world of, of things. So I think that that's, it's so important. I've heard people literally tell me, um, you know, clients that I've had and things where they'll, they'll say, I have head knowledge of mm -hmm. the Bible, but I don't know how to like live it out and how to like apply it to my life. So I think, um, you know, just that part of learning how to dive in like that is so important. And part of that is opening our eyes to, like you said, like the truth, the, um, like that, that God, that God loves us and has something to say to us and looking at it from that way. Um, so tell us a little bit about what, like you were driven to write the book from that place of like, this changed my life. So what is it that is in here that was so important that you wanted to share with people? Um, okay. So I grew up in, okay. So I did gymnastics and God gifted me with some talent. Um, and I learned things pretty quickly and that became who I was. Uh, I, I was known, in my family, in school, at church, everywhere I went as that girl that does flips. And that's great. I had a good time with it, whatever. But um, once I got out of gymnastics, I was like, what now? Like, who am I? Um, so things that I did started to become who I was. You know, first I was a gymnast, then I was a gymnastics coach. And then, uh, so that was like, I did competitive gymnastics for eight years and then I coached for 12 so 20 years of my life, 
um, were to do with gymnastics. So once I quit coaching gymnastics, I was like, what now? Like, who am I? I was totally flipped my world upside down. Um, I spent a lot of time. I had some issues in gymnastics. I got a mental block one time, which is terrible. Um, I would love to find out why and what to do about those because I still don't know. I just had to quit. But anyway, um, there's a lot of insecurity that came with that because um, my identity was tied up in being this gymnast that was good and could do whatever. And then I couldn't all of a sudden. Um, and I was a mess. I had no idea what to do with myself. I felt worthless. And like, why would anybody want to be around me? Why would anybody want anything to do with, you know, it was just, I was just a mess. I felt useless. Um, so when we started studying this and and God started, started to draw us into his word, he started to reveal his character to us. And he started to show me his heart. And as I began to see his heart, he began to show me who I was in him. So I got to see myself through his eyes, the way he created me. And it started to melt away these layers of insecurity. Like I didn't have to worry about uh, looking perfect all the time. I didn't have to worry about saying the perfect thing all the time or doing the perfect thing. He gave me the freedom to fail because no matter what I do or say, he's going to love me the same way. So it really started to melt away those, those, those feelings of uh, having to be perfect all the time. Um, perfectionist is, I'm a, definitely a perfectionist. I have OCD. I'm, I get a little crazy sometimes. But but as I get to know him, those things start to melt away. So that's I just want to give people the freedom to fail, I guess. Okay. I love that because what's I just love how God like, you know, like one week I'll be talking about something with somebody and like the next week it's like the same thing. So mm-hmm. I've been on a personal thing where just like understanding grace mm-hmm. and like you said, the permission to fail. Mm-hmm. And as a rule follower person. Like I, I struggle with that because we can slip into believing that we have to like without even, it's just, and this is part of the book, right? Real is so subtle that we mm-hmm. are following rules and trying to earn God's favor. We are yeah. trying to earn like for the people listening to this podcast and probably in a number of areas of their lives. But if this is affecting them, even in their businesses, they're thinking that they need to just work harder to get God to bless their business. Ask me how I know that thought is in there because <laughs> I had that thought. And when I realized that I was like, that's not how, you know, and the, and like you said, the freedom to fail, I think that's huge. I wanted to grab that one out of there because, um, a lot of times we grow up in the church and I don't think it's, I don't think it's the church's fault. I think it really does start from a place of good intentions or good intention. And, but there is this narrative of, and I mean, I get it. I don't know. Like, yes, like, like Paul says, we should be worthy of the call, but right. we also, I guess Peter says that too, but we should also, there's also this implication then that we need to act a certain way to represent that. And so if we fail, if we don't do it right, if we pick the wrong business, if we, whatever, then we've let God down. I think of that song gyro, like, you know, I wasn't holding you up, so I couldn't let you down. And when I heard that line from that song, I was like, oh. <laughs> it was like amazing. <laughs> So, um, and it sounds like you're talking about, I wrote down some notes because I just thought this was really important to say too, your story and your journey, the, the, you know, the ups and downs of it, the getting all wrapped up in gymnastics and that becoming your identity, going through the downs of, oh my gosh, who am I now? Mm -hmm. 
that becomes like our mess becomes our message, right? It becomes the thing that we just feel compelled to tell. And I think also not just that we went through something hard, but in those moments, when we have that revelation from God, that insight that, you know, when he takes us through something, I think that's the part. I just feel like that falls into our calling a lot of times or like what God wants us to do, because we got firsthand experience on how to help and what to say. So I just want to encourage listeners in that way, that there's something that they probably have been through and something that they've, you know, and it feels it can come with. So maybe you could talk about this a little bit. It can come with a sense of like, maybe I don't know about shame, maybe even imposter syndrome, like, who am I? I did that. And now I want to tell people how to do that. But I think it's because you did it, mm-hmm. you know, like, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, I am not a public speaker and I'm not an author and I never, ever in a million years would have ever thought I'd be on a podcast talking about something I did. Um, but I know now it's not me. It's, it's, uh, God's way of using me. Um, you know, he calls us all to be different. Some people write music and that's how they get it out. And some people, uh, you know, Christine Kane and Priscilla Shire are on the stage in front of thousands and that's how they get it out. Um, me, you know, right now he's just getting this out of me in this book and this Bible study, um, and teaching people through it. Um, it's just, uh, it's just how he calls us differently. So, um, one of the things that, you know, in the Bible that's drawn me to him, that's getting me to this place where I can share, um, is because, you know, if you look in the new Testament, the word in him or the phrase in him is in there. And if you take that out, you have complete chaos and nothing makes sense. And my life is the same way. Um, if I take me out of Christ and I look at me by the world standards, I'm a mess. <laughs> I'm an absolute mess. I don't have anything together, you know, but when I look at myself in him, I can see his attributes flowing through me. And that I think that's where that comes from. I, I can kind of step back and go, okay, you know, I I probably didn't get up in the morning and say, oh, yay, let's go talk in front of hundreds of people. But I feel like if he calls me to do that, I'm uh, I'm game, you know, because it's what he it's how he wants to get it out of me today. So uh, I'm learning. This is definitely a process for sure. But but I have to stay focused on what I am in him because it's totally different from the world standards. Yes. And I think I was just talking to somebody about that because we're talking, I mean, we were, yeah, this morning during my Bible study time, we're talking about the idea of looking at David and Saul. And I'm like, there is something here. Like, and I said, I think it's interesting because it causes us to pause seeing Mm -hmm. how David reacts when he doesn't kill Saul, when he's right there. And I Mm -hmm. think it causes us to pause because it's not it feels like the world would say, you have every right. The Lord delivered, like, see, the door is open. And I, and we were just talking about this, this concept of like what the world says is the way you should do things or how you should be and all of that. Um, and it can almost repel people from even wanting to like to stand in that and to say, like when Paul's saying, like, you know, I boast in my weaknesses because Christ's strength is perfected in those weaknesses. It's like we, it's okay, like it's okay to just be us. And it's okay to say, like, I do not have it together. It's not about us holding it together because that is like slipping over into Pharisee land, right? Saying, mm-hmm. I have it together. I can do this. I followed all these rules and I did all these things. And it's like, 
but you don't. I, and it's interesting because a lot of times you'll hear, there's like this phrase that goes around the entrepreneur space. I don't know if it's out in the regular world, but it says she believes she could. So she did. And mm-hmm. um, people would like say, yeah, it's awesome. And then, and I heard somebody say, um, you know, she believed he could, or I actually, I did this. It's not somebody else. I did this. I was like, <laughs> I, um, she believed he could. So he did. So it's like, or, or, you know, some version of, we actually are equipped, yes, but we're actually not fully equipped to be able to do something. Mm-hmm. I don't feel because, and this was like an insight recently that I was, because we want to say like, no, God's fully equipped you to do this. And I'm like, if he fully, fully equips you, you're going to run off and do something by yourself. There's yeah. got to be like Paul saying with the thorn, thorn in the flesh, there's got to be something that's going to cause you to go, but I still need God because, yeah. and it's not, I don't know. It's like, we won't. I mean, everybody knows, right? If 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 our life is going magically perfect, that is just the the breeding ground for these kinds of thoughts that will take us away and we'll be thinking that we can do it on our own. We don't need God. We don't need prayer, you know, all of that stuff. And hopefully not. And we still have that, you know, walk with the Lord, but it becomes harder um, for some reason during those, during those times. That makes sense. Okay. Huh? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to dive into three topics that you cover in the book. Um, the first, and then we're like, we're just here kind of, you know, learn a little bit about it and just kind of give people an idea of what we're talking about here. If, if, if it feels cryptic right now, but we, you know, kind of just to give them an idea of what that's like and how it applies to them. So the first topic you talk about in the book is learning and knowing who you are in Christ. You just mentioned this a little bit. So mm-hmm. can you explain what this means? Um, yes, I kind of already talked about it a little, um, talking about being in him and, and what that looks like. And when I learned this first, um, this man that does, that came to church to teach him and his wife came and we sat under their teaching for a long time. And he was talking about Romans five ten, saved by his life. Um, a lot. He said that was his life verse. And like you said earlier, it was head knowledge. It wasn't in the heart yet. Um, but this, they went rock climbing and she fell off a cliff, a hundred foot free fall. She broke all kinds of bones. She was in uh, Vanderbilt ICU for 18 days and then rehab for like three months after that. But during all that, um, he was in the hospital for eight days straight, did not leave, didn't eat, didn't sleep, didn't do anything but stay by her side. Um, and he kept saying this verse, Romans 5, 10, I have saved by his life. I'm saved by his life. And he kept like when he was teaching, I remember when he was teaching, he was saying, you know, I wake up and I've got, he was talking about that when he was teaching it, he was talking about when his wife had their first uh, son, she almost died. She actually did die on the table. Um, she bled out or something, but she came, they revived her and she came, you know, she survived. Um, but he was talking about having, you know, his wife was very sick and in the hospital and he had a new baby and he's like, I don't know what to do with a new baby. And he was like, I don't have any sleep. She's not here to help. I still have her business to run. He was a barber. Um, so he's like, I don't know what to do. And he said, I wake up and I say, God, I can't do this. And but then he's he remembers this verse saved by his life. And he said, I put my feet on the floor and I get up. 
and I live my life. And he said, it's not me living it. It's him through me. I'm saved by his life. And he said, I was literally saved by his life. I had no idea how to raise a child and run a business and clean the house and cook dinner and all the things that, you know, he wasn't equipped to do at the time, but he, but, but he was talking about that verse uh, coming alive to him at that point. So it, when he was talking about all that, I was just like, okay, say by his life, whatever. Well, then I, then his wife fell off a cliff and he needed someone to help. And his family was from Kentucky and out West and uh, Colorado or somewhere. Anyway, they weren't around. So me and Brandon were helping him through this. So I was helping him clean his house. I helped him do his taxes. I mean, you name it, uh, whatever he needed, we helped him with. And I got to see firsthand how you live by how you're saved by his life, how he lives through you to get through those moments. Because, uh, I mean, he didn't leave the hospital. He was eight days later after she fell. He was still in his muddy clothes from from climbing down the mountain to get to where she was so that he could help the ambulance people get to her. Uh, I mean, I just got to see it firsthand and it moved it from head to heart knowledge. Now, I will never forget that verse, Romans 5.10, saved by his life. So anytime I get in a in a hard situation, I just have to stop and go, God, help. And then I, I just allow him to, to live through me when I can't, because a lot of times I can't. And I imagine for entrepreneurs, you know, in a new business that they, they're not familiar with, uh, things pop up that you're not, you don't know what to do about. So uh, you just have to have the freedom to fail. You just, you just keep going and you let him live through you um, so that you can keep going. Uh, I hope that makes sense. No, it does. That's a crazy story, but it's also, you know, it's powerful when you see something lived out like that. I mean, it's not fun. But to see it, you know, lived out and to, um, you know, I do think that is a big thing where we read scripture and then we're like, now, what does it mean for my life? And even not even knowing how to read it, like apply it to your life, but actually doing it, (laughs) thinking Mm -hmm. that way or acting that way, it changes things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, part of what you're talking about in this book is that Satan the enemy is going to come in and take these things like knowing who you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. How can he, does he take that and just so subtly, but so powerfully twist it if we're not prepared? Well, I'll tell you, I struggle still with um, identity issues. You know, I know I'm in Christ. I'm saved by his life. I, I've learned that. But he does still put those thoughts. I'll give you an example. I went to a baby shower. Okay, so after gymnastics, before Brandon, there was a time when I was like really big into fashion and modeling and all the shoes and clothes and bleh. Uh, I have so many pairs of shoes, it's obscene. I still have them. I I just put them away so I don't have to look at them. But um, so I used to be all in the name brand and whatever. I, I dressed to the nines all the time. I had all the accessories and everything. Um, which is fine if that's what you want to do, but it was not okay in that. Like it consumed everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I budgeted so that I could buy shoes and I, I bought the shoes and then matched out. Anyway, it was a whole thing, y'all. So um, after spending time in his word and realizing that's not who I am, that's just something that I can do every now and then for fun, but it's not something I need to spend my whole paycheck on, especially now that I'm married and have, you know, a family to deal with. So um, I 
so I went to this baby shower. So I don't, I don't, I wear like the same 10 outfits all the time. Completely boring and, you know, nothing fashionable about, fashionable about me these days at all. But, um, but anyway, so I went to this baby shower and it's with people that I knew back in my gymnastics coaching days. So there was some fashion involved there and they were all still dressed to the nines because they're like in their early twenties and still cute and whatever. And the enemy started y'all. I mean, as soon as I walked in the door, I'm like, Ooh, that shirt's cute. What are those jeans? What are those shoes? Mm, you know, I'm like looking at all this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, I'm kind of looking at my clothes going, man, I used to look so cute. I used to dress so nice. And by the time I left that wedding shower or that baby shower, I was determined to go home and toss it all and start over. And I mean, I'm serious. This was my wow. thought. I'm going to go. My closet's going to be fresh and clean before next week. Like, I'm like, how am I going to get, how can I convince Brandon to let me do this? Like, I mean, all the way home, I'm thinking this. And then I get home and and like, like this says in here, let me find the verse. Um, hold on. I got it in my notes. Second uh, Corinthians 10, take all these thoughts captive. So I had not taken these thoughts captive. They were running rampant in my mind, but I got home and got back in my, my safe space and God said, Hey, what about me? And I started to take those thoughts and go, Whoa, like I, I just started with like thinking, Oh, that shirt is really cute. I wonder where she got that. And it morphed into this never ending spiral of, I got to get a whole new wardrobe. So, so I just have to I'm learning. I'm learning still, y'all. It's it's a process, but I'm learning to take those thoughts captive and not be held hostage by the world, what the world tells me I need to be, because I end up there a lot. And it is subtle. He does, you know, just drop a little thought in there. I might just, you know, like I said, oh, that shirt's really cute. Well, that's how it started. And I didn't take that thought captive. So then he threw another one and, I, and then another one and then another one. And before I know it, my mind is just swirling. So that's how he gets you. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to obviously be different for each of us, but you know, <laughs> what I'm hearing in that story is that even though we're Christians and we might think that we have a strong identity in Christ, like we know that, but mm -hmm. you know, the enemy wants us to not think that to mm -hmm. look to something else to fulfill our identity and what can happen a lot of times with entrepreneurs, like, okay, there's like two things that I want to say for the audience here. One is your identity being in your current job if, or your career that you had before. And the idea, because it's happened to me, the idea of leaving it starts to put all of these, like, who are you without that job? You know, you're just a stay at home mom, you know, quotes. And, and like, took me a long time, like three years to even say that I was a stay at home mom, because there was so much identity still wrapped uh, without realizing it you know you're like no it's okay like you make that jump to leave but then or maybe it keeps you like if this identity thing is really strong and not in the right place you might not be willing to let go of that because you think that people around you know you as the doctor the lawyer like whatever you are and that's not part of your identity it's just something that you do um mm -hmm. but the other part of that is getting all wrapped up in our business and thinking that our business is our identity or how many followers we have on Instagram or whatever, wherever you are. Um, and I think that it is like a constant. It is not just in one area. It is a constant thing. And I think it's, you know, while you did kind of recover yourself and by the time you got home, you could have totally kept going. And then maybe, I mean, your husband would have said, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. that accountability and that like him knowing your past and stuff. 
But still, it's like, that's where it's like taking all these thoughts, taking our thoughts captive, because if we just kind of go, we can get in the habit, especially like with moms, we're so busy with all this stuff. I mean, people are busy anyway, but I feel like my child, I have one child, but a lot of people have multiple and it's like, they're pulling on you in all these different directions and like over stimulating the senses and stuff like yelling here and pulling on your leg there. And, and it's like, if we're not careful, we're just going to kind of fall into the motion. So being really intentional about our thinking, our mindset and having it focused on, um, on reminding ourselves who we are in Christ. Um, okay. So I want to go to the second the second topic. So that was the first one, learning who you are in Christ. The second one is comparison and imposter syndrome, um, keeping you from your purpose. So can you talk about that one? Cause I think that one's a big one as well. Yeah. Um, you know, man, comparison kills. Ooh, it kills. Uh, and another, uh, spiral that I catch myself in sometimes is because, you know, when you're a gymnast, you work out all the time, and I was always in shape. And uh, once I got out of gymnastics, so I, I worked at coaching gymnastics like nine hours a day on my feet, constantly moving. And I <laughs> went to a desk job. So needless to say, my body changed a little bit and it sent me into this obsession to look the part. Um, so I, you know, that's another way the enemy gets you, you know, you, as I'm still hanging out with the same people and I'm still, you know, in the gymnastics world, I'm just not coaching anymore. So I'm changing, but they're not. And I, you know, got into these weight loss challenges and working out like six days a week for an hour. And I had to eat this and I had to, the, it was just a lot. Um, and it, it just took time away, you know, um, when I start to get in those in a funk like that, where I am <clears throat> trying to live up to what the world says I need to be, or I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses and stay in shape because she's going to look better than me or, you know, whatever. Um, it just takes my mind off God and it, and it, you know, right now I have gotten far enough along in my faith where I have set aside time daily to spend with the Lord. But when he starts to throw this comparison stuff at me and I feel like I need to step up my game according to the world standards, then I need to spend more time here and I need to spend more time here and I need to spend more time doing this. And he gets pushed further and further away until I'm not spending any time with him. Um, so that's another way that the comparison gets you. It, it just takes your time away from him, takes your eyes off him. All right, we're going to pause right there and pick back up right where we left off in part two of this interview with Leslie Kaiser. Just go ahead and find that in whatever podcast player you're listening to and continue that conversation because we have so much to still talk about and so much we're going to get into around this idea of seeing the sneaky spiritual warfare that the enemy is using to really keep us from stepping into our calling. So I'll see you over there on the other um, section of this in part two. Thanks for listening to the Mama with the Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawiththecalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, 
Are you loving these episodes? To make sure this podcast gets in the ears of as many mamas as possible, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I'm going to be reading your reviews on the podcast, so I can't wait to hear from you. Also, if you know someone that needs to hear these episodes, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And don't forget to tag me at Mama with a Calling so I can share it in my stories. Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.